Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Uncommon Ground with Van Jones ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. Is this America, the land of the free and the home of the brave? Wake up, America, wake up! The political division in the country undeniably deep right now. The big question on a lot of people's minds, can Americans come together and heal? Because it's not a matter of my liberation. It's also a matter of yours. If you're working, if we're working together, it's not because we're going to do something for the poor black people. We're going to do something for each other to save this really rather frightening world. Whatever our differences, we are fellow Americans. And please believe me when I say... No association has ever meant more to me than that. I'm Van Jones, and this is Uncommon Ground. These days, everybody's got a platform. I don't care who you are. You got a Twitter account, Instagram, Facebook. Everybody has a platform. The question is, how are we using them? What are we using these platforms for? I think it's really key, from my point of view, that we try to use our platforms for good. It's been fun. We've had a fun time canceling each other and outwoken each other, but I don't think it's working out very well. So I'm looking for people, as we build this Uncommon Ground community, I'm looking for people who are using their platforms for good. And one of the people who I think has a massive platform, huge platform, and is deliberately using that platform for good is Sarah Silverman. She's usually trying to make us laugh, but she's also trying to build up empathy, trying to bring us together. You know, she's well known for being a comedian. She's an actor. She's a host of the Sarah Silverman podcast, which is a big inspiration for this podcast. And she's also the former host of a Hulu show called I Love You, America in which she goes out as a you know progressive coastal Jew, as she would call herself, and she talks to just heartland folks, regular folks, folks in the South, folks who voted differently than she did in the 2016 election. And that show really, I think, opened the hearts of a lot of people. And again, is a, a huge inspiration for me. I got a chance to talk with her. I know her because we're both in the same business. She reached out to me one time after I said something on CNN that she thought was smart. We started communicating. I got a chance to spend some time with her here in L.A. And I want her to be a part of this podcast. She's actually one of the first people I interviewed. And I think what you're going to see is what I see. A brilliant person with a huge heart. And some of the things that happen in this conversation I think are really important. She talks about her dad who just seems to be a beautiful guy and who was a courageous guy. He loved courageously, even strangers. You know, she talks about you know, going to Louisiana and meeting these people that she was supposed to hate and coming away loving them. And she explains how she did that and why that happened. I think that's important for us these days to understand. And she also talks about stuff like how to deal with apologies. You know, we have a society where people hurt each other's feelings. We step on each other's toes. We don't know everything. She's got a very particular view on apology that I think you will get a great deal from. I think you're going to get a great deal from the whole conversation. When we get back, the wonderful, the hilarious, the deep, the empathetic Sarah Silverman. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. Mm-hmm. 
If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery, code Wondery. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I wanted to kind of start with you because I think, you know, you've been trying to use your platform to bring people together, to have difficult conversations and that kind of stuff, which is what I want to do as well. You had that show, you went all around the country. I mean, you take these phone calls, these like amazing phone calls um, on the podcast. Why did you decide to do that? Because given the platform you have, given who you are, it wasn't an obvious choice. I mean, you could have done anything and you decided to kind of in a moment of real division and polarization, you leaned in. Uh, why? I I feel hopeful when I'm one-on-one with people because, you know, there's this, you know, you there isn't anyone you couldn't love once you've heard their story, sure. But also, I tend to really like people. And so people that I, on paper, cannot stand. If I were to come face-to-face with them, I feel even just a kinship of humanity at the very least. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I think um, the more vulnerable you're willing to be, um, you know, and with humor, then it's, you know, people relate to it. But my, the the negative thoughts that come through my head is uh, there's just, we are living in a time where there is no baseline truth. And so, I, th- I mean, th- first of all, this the world's, this country, the our, the political system is so divisive, but also we're not even, how can we argue about anything if what we're arguing about it are two different things, completely different truths? You know, there's the truth and then there's, there is a truth, but there's not one we can agree on. And without that, we're screwed. What What else would you suggest? I mean, what's working for you in your life that kind of, because you seem great. I mean, you seem happy. You seem light. You, I mean, I love the look in your eyes. Like when um, the Instagram, they like, you know, take parts of your podcast and put it on Instagram. And I can see your mind working. I can see your heart open. I can see you considering things. And then you find the right thing to say. How are you able to sustain all this? I mean, I don't know. I have good moments and bad moments. I'm not always my best self. I'm working towards it, you know. But I also, I've had incredible influences. I might, you know, I have a really close family, you know, and they're really smart. And my dad, you know, he owned a store, a discount ladies clothing store. And he would, um, there was like a vestibule, you know, with like a door and then a little hallway and then the door into the store. And he would keep it heated in the winter and leave the outside door open for homeless people. You know, mm. so he want, he encouraged them to come sleep in there, wow. you know, overnight. 
And he would always say, like, it's an honor as an American to pay taxes. You know, this is we get to chip in to get our roads and our schools and our infrastructure and to help people who don't have the same opportunities as us. And it's just it's it's I wish that was the American view more, you know, because it's what I grew up with. But it's, it's, it's very much not. I feel like you have to ask yourself, you know, as you draw these like lines in the sand, do you want people to be changed or do you want them to stay the same so you can point to them as wrong and yourself is right? And I'm just not as I'm not interested in that. I mean, listen, I can be cocky sometimes and I'm, I don't bat a thousand with this at all by any means. But, you know, I learned a lot of things doing that show. And um, and one is uh, nobody's going to be changed by being feeling judged or condescended to. No one will even be open to that. It makes your porcupine needles go up. All of us are this way. You know, uh, you can't be open. Incredibly, one thing I learned was that, you know, even facts, especially now, don't change minds. Facts, poll numbers, take all the polls you want. It doesn't change people's minds. What changes people's minds is feelings. I mean, for me, I feel like, you know, a lot of identity politics comes down to, you know, are you like me? You know, are you like me? Are you gay like me? Are you black like me? Are you female like me? Are you like me? And then we got to get in our little camps and fight. But I think, honestly, the real question most people are asking, do you like me? Do you like me? Do you see me? Am I a person to you? You know? And I think that's what I'm trying to dial up my capacity for. Because the reason that I'm massively, crazily, insanely for LGBTQ stuff it's because by random accident, my first housemates, when I moved to the Bay Area, were a lesbian couple. I'm a kid from the rural South. I mean, I was vaguely liberal, but watching the crap they had to go through in the 90s when they couldn't get married, they couldn't even have to fight to get civil unions. I'm like, you're the only people that want marriage. The straight people are getting divorced, cheating, but it's personal. Then I learned all the theories and the philosophies and we have to know each other. We have to and if, if we're going to start from the very beginning, before you talk to me, you got to own your privilege, acknowledge that you're a bigot. You know, how that's, I just think we're making the walls too high to get to the sweet spot. I mean, yeah, there's no learning curve. I mean, I find on the left, and of course, I'm a big lefty, but it's like there is just very little patience. And uh, it's, it's very odd. Um, but I love Obama. But the reality is in 2012, don't forget that it was, it was it was Barack Obama was afraid to say he was from marriage. Call it was Joe got on uh, on on air and said it. This is 2012. Now, less than a decade later, if you aren't for transgender liberation and it's full, then you are a bigot, not somebody who just needs to read a book. You are a hateful bigot. I don't understand why we're surprised that some people are balking at this just because of the. You call it righteousness porn. Yeah. Like, even if they ultimately would agree with the, it's the attitude, I think, that makes it tough. Why can't it be, hey, come join us. We're doing this. You know, I mean, it's like, take a seat next to me. Let me show you. You might be into it. I mean, listen, a lot of people, they need stuff to come right to their front door. But, you know, when I did that show on Hulu and I went to Chalmette, Louisiana, you know, I was with a family who thought, Obama was from Kenya and they all voted for Trump. Mm. And 
but I did love them, you know, by the time I left. But it was interesting because I said, like, who is uh, for gay rights? And they all raised their hand. Why? Because they have a cousin who's gay, you know, right. and everybody does. But the heroes, so many of the heroes of the LGBTQAI++ community are the people who stayed at home and live their authentic life in their small town mm. and, and um, suffered abuse and, you know, ridicule and torture in many cases are the ones who really created change, you know, on their backs because everyone moves to the city where they can be free. And I don't blame them. I did the same thing, you know, but um, mm. those are the people that I'm really in awe of, you know, gay people that move back home, open up a little coffee shop. And it's such a mitzvah to this town to say, oh, that's Steve and Eric. They're my, yeah, I'll get my coffee there. They're the best. You know, they're, we love them. And then they're like excited by their progress. We got to do a better job of lifting up those voices. I mean, I feel like yeah, I grew up in a small town in rural West Tennessee, Jackson, Tennessee. And so much of it is we felt looked down on. And I think sometimes we wind up as progressives. It's almost like we're colonizers. It's like, like we look at red states, like they're these uncivilized backwaters, you know. We've got to get in there and civilize them and make them eat kale and make them listen to NPR and convert them to, you know, a civilized world. And it's like, guys, you're not that damn smart and that great because you look at, look at what's going on in the cities. It's not that much better, number one. And number two, don't talk to people like that. and Don't think about people like that because it contempt radiates at a thousand yards. It's such a toxic uh, arrogance, you know. You go, well, we're liberal, and so that means that we're this, 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 and this. But nobody's keeping themselves in check on saying, am I this, 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 and this? <laughs> we're, we're the tolerant ones, you fuck. <laughs> you know? We love everybody, asshole. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's funny what you were saying about, like, it's really about themselves or, you know, I always say that about hecklers when people heckle in comedy clubs. I always feel like the subtext, whatever they're saying is always, I exist, right? And I go, okay, this person needs attention. Let's talk to him. I mean, that's a very, very profound insight because, I mean, the biggest heckler of all time is Donald Trump. Yes. You know, heckling the Obama administration and representing a whole bunch of people who rightly or wrongly felt like they weren't getting the attention they're used to. Maybe they were used to too much attention because they're the white guys and nobody else gets any attention. But that loss, I mean, I think part of the thing, you know, we want to be in the humanization business, like, you know, humanizing homeless people, humanizing people behind bars, humanizing, humanizing. But I think this thing, sometimes we wind up dehumanizing the people who were on top before. And we don't take their, their loss seriously. Yeah. We're, are, are we talking about cis white men right now? And the, yeah, 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 yeah. That group, <laughs> yeah, that group. Um, it's almost like we're not allowed to have any empathy for them because it's somehow validating their bullshit if we do. But when I'm in prisons and I'm dealing with people who kill people and sold drugs to children and destroyed neighborhoods, everybody goes, oh, Van's amazing. He looks past the bad things that they did and he sees the good in them. And we look, that do the same thing with Republicans. They're like, Van's a sellout <laughs> to Uncle Tom. <laughs> You know, that's so funny. It's like, it's like, uh, um, I had an ex who 
who moved on with a like a, a very young, much younger woman. And we're still friendly. And I said something like snide to him about it. And then I was in the shower later and I go, look at me mm. saying love is love is love is love until my mm. ex dates a younger woman that, you know, uh, whatever the the female version of emasculate, I guess. And I go, ah, oh, and I called him and I apologized. Go, oh, mm. Look at me. But it's just funny. You know, it's, a, it's just all there's so much ego involved in every part of all of this. But you're right. I mean, power corrupts. You know, it's always rich people that are fucking cheap. <laughs> I mean, I can't even believe how cheap some rich people are. <laughs> it's it's it just astounds me. And that always feel like they don't have enough money. Rich people. <laughs> it's bizarre. I mean, nobody needs a billion dollars. Once you hit a billion, I mean, no one needs a hundred million dollars either, but it's like, (laughs) if we cap it at a, say a billion and everything else goes to something else, it it affects you zero. I mean, you, your children for generations and generations will never have to work, which is a little bit heartbreaking in some ways, but (laughs) you know, it's just. I know, I know a couple of people that are in embarrassed, personally embarrassed by how much money they made during the pandemic. They can't give it away because they can't actually find all the right charities. They certainly can't spend it. You'd have to buy a planet or two, but they're watching the same stuff that we are watching in terms of climate and COVID and whatever. And if we call them in as opposed to calling them out, then we'll see what the limit is. I think we assume the limit is like they're going to throw crumbs and try to keep the whole kitchen (laughs) and maybe they will. In which case, you're going to have to have pitchforks. But some of these people, literally, they just don't know what to do. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Do you ever feel like you're settling? For your foundation, that is. Maybelline's new Instant Age Rewind Eraser Foundation doesn't settle into fine lines and wrinkles. With SPF 20 and moisturizing pro-vitamin B5, this foundation not only provides medium coverage and a natural finish, but also protects and nourishes your skin. And the best part? The blurring sponge tip applicator makes application a breeze. Say goodbye to cakey, uneven foundation and hello to a flawless, radiant complexion. Try our new foundation today and see the difference for yourself at Amazon.com slash Instant Eraser Foundation.
when I saw that it was like 116 degrees in Portland this summer, I mean, they don't even have air conditions in Portland. I hate going to Portland. It's always cold and rainy in the summertime. That kind of stuff is what makes me get very focused on trying to bring people together. Because poor black folks, which is my constituency, can't fix that problem by ourselves. You've got to figure out a way to have allies. And even when that white guy shot up that black church in South Carolina, whatever it was, Mm -hmm. which was horrible, that church came together and said, you know, the guy's got to go to jail, but we forgive him. And people were stunned by that. I said, no, no, no. What they're saying is we're not going to become him. We're not going to become what we're fighting. And that beauty and grace and dignity that was core to black politics, it really lifted the whole country out of a morass. And now we'll cancel somebody over a 10-year-old tweet. And like, that's not the black politics that I grew up with. It was about dignity, grace, magic, miracles, redemption, belief in something beautiful. You know, we all want some kind of prize for doing what's right or righteous. Mm-hmm. And you just don't always get it. The prize has to be doing it and f- and knowing that it's right. And knowing that sometimes people need a time to see it. You know, I mean, when you were telling me, remember we hung out and you told me about the opioid crisis and Appalachia Mm -hmm. and how you Mm -hmm. got like black people who had been through the crack Mm -hmm. epidemic and brought them together. Yeah. That's brilliant. That's just empathic. Uh, I, I, it, I felt badly because I was getting so pissed at the white people who were on opioids, who were getting positive news stories. You know, my community people were on crack. They didn't get any positive stories. They got SWAT teams busting in doors and dragging people to prison for 20, 30 years. And then I realized, you know what? As I started looking at these stories, I'm like, these white folks in Appalachia are going through the same thing that we went through. They don't have enough sense to call us and ask for help. And we don't have enough heart to call them and offer it. There's something really wrong here. And so we got on a plane and went out there. And it's life-changing because we what we did was we only had one rule, which was everybody had to bring a picture, a photograph of someone they had lost you know, to drugs or because of drugs. And, of course, mostly the black folks brought their phones <laughs> and the white folks from Appalachia brought these framed pictures. So you already had this kind of culture clash. But by the time it, the conversation happened, within an hour, you couldn't pull them apart. And, uh, you know, I mean, that group is still together. They've, they've gone to D.C. together. The West Virginia people came to Los Angeles. I mean, it's going and it's growing. But I, so I believe in the bottom-up bipartisanship. I believe that, that the that people at the bottom can come together. And, um, and I think because I've done that stuff, I just, my heart is different. And so if I've got to, if I, not only if I have to, but if I get the chance to, reach across a racial divide or reach across a class divide or reach across even an ideological divide and help somebody or learn something, I want to be able to do that. But I think we took on the characteristics of the movement we were opposing in ways that I don't think we're tracking. That's my fear. I agree. I really agree. You know, we're all connected. We don't want, you know, we don't want to believe it. We don't want to you know, acknowledge it, but everything is connected. You know, we're just like whatever stardust on a planet, you know, like. You know, I, I think the three skills that we don't treat people enough, listening, we all know how to talk, people know how to listen, empathy, 
And then like something like around acknowledgement and apology, confession, something in that space is hard for us, man. I love apologizing. I mean, listen, if I'm- You're really good at it too. Thanks. Listen, I don't apologize if I'm not sorry. But if I am, I love apologizing. I I feel better. The person I'm apologizing to feels better. I mean, there's like literally no downside. I, I- Absolutely do not see it as a sign of weakness anyway. I don't know I don't know what it is about our culture that is terrified of the thought of being wrong. I mean I, I think it's a I think the fear is of being wronged after you admit that you're wrong. You know, it, it's it, if you say, Hey, I did something wrong, you your your hope is that then people are gonna say, Okay, well we forgive you. But sometimes people don't forgive. You read too many comments. Mm. You, be Same. free of that. Hmm. <laughs> Say more. You know, everyone has a voice now, and in a lot of ways that's lovely, but you have to understand these things you're reading, they're, are they real? Are we brains in jars? Are we, you know, it's like it's interesting <laughs> to hear people's thoughts if if they're not anonymous and, they're, and you're talking to them. You know, there's a lot of abuse that just is literally comes from, I want you to feel the pain I'm feeling. (laughs) You know, it's like, it's a lot of just people expressing pain to people so far out of their reach that they don't know that they can't imagine have feelings or are human because they're on their TV. Like, like I hurt people, hurt people. Yeah. But, you know, then, you know, like Mr. Rogers says, you know, look for the helpers, you know, there's. In all every shitty situation, there's some kind of spark. Well, I put you in the spark category, and I and I appreciate you, and and I I mean I really do, and thank you for giving a damn. This really, you know, my my dad used to always say some quote, and dad, he's like, there's only there's there's a, there's two parties in the country, two political parties. There's a give a damn party and a don't give a damn party. Oh, I love that. And it doesn't if you're if you, if you're a Republican and you go vote, that means you give a damn. If you're a Democrat, you go vote, you give a damn. So it's just. You have to give a damn people who we may vote against each other sometimes, but at least we're looking at the situation as we care enough about the country to have an opinion. Um, and some of us give an awful lot and you could have done any number of things with your platform. And you're kind of a trailblazer for those of us who are trying to be unifiers. And um, Oh my gosh, uh, I adore you and mm-hmm. all the same back at you. And uh, I hope there are still Marvel figurines in your refrigerator. Yeah, there are. There really are. (laughs) Somebody knows me well. Very, very good. All right. Well, to be continued. Thank you. All right. Take care. Be good. Bye. We see the beauty of hope. That spirit is so beautiful. Those who become American citizens love this country even more. And that's why the Statue of Liberty lifts her lamp to welcome them to the Golden Door. I just think that Sarah Silverman is a national treasure. I love spending time with her. I love talking with her. I learned so much from her, and she just has a bunch of wisdom. She's right about me needing to stay out of reading my comments. Uh, I think, I think that's true. I think a lot of, um, a lot of times, the people who are in those comments who are saying stuff, mean stuff on Twitter or whatever, 
They don't know you. They're just venting a little bit. And they honestly don't know how hard that stuff actually lands on the person who's reading it. And I'm going to take that away. And I think you might want to take that away as well. You know, we post stuff, we share stuff. And then sometimes we do find ourselves more hurt than we should be by the fact that everybody doesn't get where we're coming from. I think let's just keep putting our light out there, keep trying to share the things and say the things that we think will be helpful and let the chips fall where they may. I think that's good counsel from her. The other thing I take away from just observing her is, you know, the empathy that she's able to show and generate, even for hecklers, is really remarkable. And empathy is a skill. It's a mindset. And it has to be taught. We have not been taught empathy. We've been taught how to compete, how to dominate. But we need a 21st century toolbox now here in the United States. We have every kind of human being ever born, all here in one country. In order for us to get along, we can't just learn how to do good public speaking. That's important, but we've also got to learn how to listen. Listening is a 21st century skill set. Empathy is a 21st century mindset. Apology, acknowledgement. These are skill sets. You know, we're, we're taught and encouraged to defend ourselves and, and to accuse other people. But how do you apologize? How do you acknowledge when things haven't gone exactly right? We're not taught that in school. We're not taught some of the things that we desperately need. And so I'm hoping that this Uncommon Ground community can be a place where people who have on their own figured some of this stuff out can come and share with us what they've learned and you know how they're making sense of this stuff. So when I come away from a conversation with Sarah Silverman, it makes me want to be a better person. She's not perfect. She doesn't even claim to be perfect, but it makes me want to try harder, to love harder, and to love more people and to understand more people. And I don't think that's just going to be good for the people I'm understanding. I think it's good for me. I think it's good for us. The human heart is a muscle. I've been trying to do yoga recently. Uh, my yoga style should be called rigor mortis. I'm so stiff. Uh, it's, it's quite embarrassing. Nobody ever sees me trying to do this stuff. But I'm getting a little bit better and I'm starting to feel my muscles get a little bit more pliable and, and stronger in the right ways and more capable. There, there are things I can do now in yoga that my muscles can do now in yoga that I couldn't do six months ago. I couldn't do 12 months ago. And, I, and I'm proud of that because those muscles are starting to stretch out. You know, the human heart is a muscle and it can be stretched. Our hearts can get bigger. Our hearts can get stronger so we can hold more and we can, can help more. And we can start doing things that right now might seem impossible, but in three months, six months, a year from now, if we keep stretching our hearts open, won't seem impossible at all. That's the opportunity that we have as human beings when we choose to grow and when we choose to try to follow a path that can open us up to more and more of what the world has to offer. And so I just appreciate Sarah Silverman for being one of those great lights uh, in the sky for me and for so many other people. And I encourage all of us to become lights in our own world, in our own community. See you next time. Uncommon Ground with Van Jones is an Amazon original production. It's produced by Magic Labs Media and Wonder Media Network. Our producers are Teddy Alexander, Maisha Dyson, Grace Lynch, Sundu Sasan, and Adesawa Agbanile. Our managing producers are Lauren D. and Eliza Mills. Our executive producers are Jenny Kaplan and Morgan Jones. Our theme music was composed by The Grand Mess. Publicity for the show is led by Alice Zoe, Andy Lichtenfeld, Didier Moraes, and Chantel Muentes. Special thanks to Jana Carter, Taylor Williamson, Seven McDonald, 
Drew Schwindeman, Eric Carter, Trevor McNeil, Carrie McCarran, Joe McMillan, Steph Walkneen, Vanessa Rebert, Ty Jacobson, Marshall Lewy, and Chris Jackman. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Uncommon Ground with Van Jones ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus and Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. I feel like I was blindsided. Because it's a competition show. From the producers of Jury Duty and The Bachelor. We have scoured the earth for the 14 greatest reality contestants that were available during our production window. Comes a reality competition show about reality competition shows. Nobody has dared to find out who is the actual best at just being on a reality show. I'm your host, comedian Daniel Tosh. Is winner go home. Each episode, our contestants will face new challenges that will test their strength and lack of life skills for a chance to win two hundred million dollars. $200,000. Prepare, because it's about to be ugly crying. Lots of fighting. Tasha, I have to defend myself. Celebrating 25 years of reality TV with your favorites. I have diarrhea. You cannot do this to me. What in gay hell have I got myself into? The Goat, premiering on Freebie and Prime Video on May 9th. 